Hey guys, I hope you're having a good day. What is a good day? A good day is when it starts and ends spending time with our wonderful Lord. As we study the life of Joseph, entitled God Meant It For Good, that was his heart. That's how Joseph looked at his difficulties. We find the first snapshot of Joseph's mother, that's Rachel, found in Genesis 29 and 30. So as we turn a page in Joseph's family photo album, we'll take a close look at his mother. Her name? is Rachel. In a way, Rachel had everything that most girls would ever want. She had a husband that adored her, a father that wanted her to stay close to home forever, and a son that was a true gift of God. She was beautiful. She was rich. And whether she understood it or not, she was married to a man chosen by God to father a nation of people special to God. Even though Rachel was blessed in so many ways, she had a problem. She was discontent. What she had, for whatever reason, was never enough. This is not uncommon even today. Many homes are filled with discontented kids, discontented dads, and discontented moms. We first find Rachel, a shepherdess in Genesis 29, herding her father's sheep to a well where providentially Jacob had stopped on his journey to find his mother's brother Laban. Jacob took it upon himself to move the huge stone that covered the well and watered Rachel's flock for her. Then something happened that seems a bit strange. Quote, Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Excited, thankful, emotional. Rachel's response, she ran and told her father. Now, let's remember the customs of the time so we don't get sidetracked here and think it's biblical to kiss a girl on your first date. Once Laban heard that his sister's son was at the well, he ran to Jacob, hugged him, kissed him, and invited him to stay at their house. Our world of handshakes, high fives, and hugs is a bit different than the culture of Jacob and Rachel's day. Okay, an interesting side note here. God's will and parents' wishes often go hand in hand. To preserve the identity of God's people, Isaac and Rebekah and God wanted their sons to marry those who knew and believed in Jehovah God. Intermarrying with unbelieving Canaanite and Perizzite nations would within time turn the hearts of God's chosen people away from him. Isaac and Rebekah had two sons, Jacob and Esau. One obeyed and brought great blessing, and the other disobeyed and brought only grief. The Bible tells us that Esau took a wife from the Hittites, which were a grief of mine, unto Isaac and to Rebekah. And then Isaac obviously called Jacob and blessed him, but he wanted him to promise not to take any wife from the Canaanites because they didn't believe in Jehovah God. There's a special joy when you know that you're in God's will and are fulfilling your parents' wishes. Don't forget the promise of Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Back to Jacob and Rachel, okay? Laban offered Jacob one of his two daughters, Leah or Rachel, to marry in exchange for seven years of service. What was Jacob's response? Quote, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better I give her to thee than I give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. But they seemed on him but a few days for the love that he had for her. Somehow, after seven years of service, Laban tricked Jacob. And he gave him his oldest daughter, Leah, instead of Rachel as his wife. Again, there's some cultural oddities that are just really, really hard to understand, okay? Jacob woke up the morning after his wedding and found out he was married to the wrong woman. And he had to work another seven years for Rachel. Now, Jacob had a problem. Unlike God's Adam and Eve plan for one man for one woman, 
He was caught in a culturally acceptable situation that brought nothing but jealousy, hatred, and envy into his life. Sadly, Leah lived his, her entire married life feeling unloved and unwanted. In a way, I pity her. Rachel, even though she was greatly loved, thought she had to have more to be happy and content. I pity her too, but in a different way. So discontented heart is always at war with itself, and the war and conflict seemingly have no end. A discontented heart starts with comparing with others, then it complains about what it does not have, then it begins to criticize those who have what it desires, and it continues to crave more and more and more. What a sad way to live. Let's close this meditation uh, with some scripture that helps us understand God's view of contentment. Discontent compares. Look what they have. And 2 Corinthians 10 tells us we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, here's the key, are not wise. Discontent complains. It says, I'll never enjoy that in my life. The Bible reminds us, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers' iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. Discontent criticizes. Some say it all comes so easy to them. The Bible says, who's a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Lame shot of a good conversation as works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above, hey, get this. It's pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Discontent craves. Some say, I'll never be happy until I get everything I want. I love the Hebrews 13 passage. Let your lifestyle or conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Again, I pity Rachel and anyone who follows her example. Discontent, oh, it's an ugly thing. And none of us, none of us need it or want it in our lives. Hey, our time's up for today, but I hope this has been a blessing to you. And we can always strive to realize that God has provided everything we need for our present happiness. But time's up. I hope you have a really, really, really good day. 